0: It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of BOT Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich BOT, with today's complete
1: story. Well, you know, everything seems to be coming down uh, very quickly to a head uh, in Washington, around the world, and certainly across America. And we are having a lot of trouble. Trying to get along, trying to have a consensus, trying to know who we are and what we are and where we're headed. What say you, Rich?
0: Uh, well, I'm just thinking of Sarah Huckabee Sanders when she gave the response uh, to the State of the Union address. She said, anymore, it's between what's normal and what's crazy. Yeah. And uh, we're seeing so many crazy things uh, happen and, and being uh, endorsed in our culture today is just overwhelming. Yeah.
1: You know, Rich, uh, I have been following this as you as you well know for many many years, but the national debt—now that's coming to a head pretty soon, isn't it? Very next week or two or three or four, where the national debt has to be refunded and um, something approved so they can borrow more money.
0: Yeah, they're about to exceed the the spending limits
1: and borrow more money. If you just think about that, folks. What do you do when you're constantly borrowing more money until the interest on the money you've already borrowed is almost beyond your ability to keep up with it?
0: You're just digging yourself deeper in debt.
1: All right. Now, listen, you see, that's the way it is in Washington. The average American family, they've got to balance their budget. The average American family cannot just borrow, 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 and then pay interest and pay interest and pay interest, first of all, whose money are they borrowing? It's the people's money. And then the interest they pay goes beyond the, I would like to know that our elected uh, politicians, the House of Representatives and the Senate, and certainly the White House, understands that it's the people's money. Believe me, it's not theirs. And it goes on and on and on. How long can a country, can a country continue? Uh, if people have been watching the debates or the, the newscasts, well you would have thought that they were, they were arguing about their money.
0: Well, you know, and, the, and the Bible has a lot to say about going into debt.
1: That is exactly right, the good book. The book that tells us how to, how to be a Christian, how to be saved, and how to live our life properly, uh, from our families to our own personal conduct and everything else. Now we have not used this for a long time, but it's Paul Harvey, and I just love it. I know our listeners do too, because whenever we broadcast it, we get a lot of listener comments, which I always welcome. I always welcome whatever the listeners have enjoyed or not enjoyed, found helpful, But Paul Harvey recorded something on an album, as a matter of fact, uh, many years ago. It's called Freedom to Chains. I'm talking about like getting locked up with chains around your arms and around your body till you are a slave and have no choice in anything. Again, Freedom to Chains. Here it is.
2: Now then, what makes a nation strong? Taxes? (laughs) There's nothing new about those either. The first income tax was paid by Abraham was written on a rock by the hand of divinity and handed to Moses at the top of Mount Sinai. And you might want to remember this, it was at the flat rate of 10%. It promised the wrath of God on anybody who tampered with or violated that law. Christ was born in Bethlehem because Joseph was on his way to pay his taxes. Joseph was a relatively well-to-do landowner of the house and lineage of David. Yet the taxes exacted by Caesar Augustus were so exorbitant that he didn't have enough money left over to employ a trusted messenger for the mission, so though his wife was great with child, he made the journey himself. And Christ was born in Bethlehem because Joseph was on his way to pay his taxes. And Christ was born in a manger because there was a housing shortage when he got there. Our problems are not new. At Runnymede, the Magna Carta was handed to King John on the end of a sword, denying to royalty the right of unlimited taxation. Yet you know it was for us, the American people, to become the first in recorded history ever voluntarily to surrender our rights to private property. Oh, yes, we did. With an innocent-sounding constitutional amendment, the 16th, which says the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived. And we forgot to put any limit on the extent to which we could tax ourselves. Conceivably, we could be taxed out of all private property. We could be taxed not 70%, 80%, 90%, but 100%. We could awaken one morning and find that the government owns the farm and the house and the car and has a mortgage on the church, legally. Historically, whenever any nation has taxed its people more than 25% of their national income, initiative was destroyed and that nation was headed for economic eclipse. History says we'll roll forward on momentum for a little while, but we'd better get some more gas in the tank pretty quick. You see, ours is not the first by George Good government to arise on the world stage. There have been several. Rome... Spain and Greece and China, and each enjoyed about 150 years at its zenith, and then each decayed away. Not one of them was ever destroyed by anybody else's marching legions. Each rotted away, morally, socially, culturally, economically, simultaneously. You know, one of the most cruel paradoxes of history is this. Because each was a good government, it bore bountiful fruit... When it bore bountiful fruit, the people got fat. And when they got fat, they got lazy. When they got lazy, they began to want to absolve themselves of personal responsibility and turn over to government to do for them things which, traditionally, they had been doing for themselves. At first, there appears to be nothing wrong asking government to perform some extra service for you, but if you ask government for extra services, government, in order to perform its increasing function, has to get bigger, right? And as government gets bigger, in order to support its increasing size, it has to what, tax the individual more, so the individual gets littler. And to collect the increased taxes requires more tax collectors, so the government gets bigger. In order to pay the additional tax collectors, it has to tax the individual more. so the government gets bigger and the individual gets littler, and the government gets bigger, and the individual gets littler, until the government is all-powerful. The individual is hardly anything at all. The government is all-powerful. The people are cattle. Uh, some believe that the need is for a vigorous, strong man to arise on the scene, to regulate and regiment the affairs of men. Yet history tells us there have been several such. Once upon a time, there was a nation great and powerful and good. She was suffering from the aftermath of war, from a depression, and then came upon the scene a leader, an idealist, self-confident, intolerant of criticism, Wisely, he limited his early activities to combating the financial depression. Nobody could argue with that. But in a while, he began to regulate business and establish new rules to govern commerce and finance. Some of them in diametrical disagreement with the God-made laws of supply and demand. But anybody who disagreed with those new rules was promptly fired. The new leader saw that under the old system of free enterprise, landlords prospered, so he levied new taxes to take away their profits and destroy what he called the monopoly of capital. To please laborers, he controlled prices. To win the favor of the farmers, he gave them loans and subsidies. The national debt mounted alarmingly. Whenever anybody tried to tell him that governments, even as people can go broke when they spend beyond their incomes, he said they just didn't understand deficit finance. What do you say? Did he build on rock or on sand? I say on sand. For you see, this was the story of Emperor Tsu Po, who led China to its doom more than a thousand years ago. I am satisfied with all my heart that if Uncle Sam ever does get whipped, here, too, it will have been an inside job. It was internal decay, it was not external attack that destroyed the Roman Empire. Starting about 146 B.C., internal conditions in Rome were characterized by a welter of class wars and conflicts, street brawls, corrupt governors, lack of personal integrity and moral responsibility. About 290 years after Christ, a Roman emperor named Diocletian took over. He really grabbed the bull by the horns. He took over in a period of turmoil and severe depression. The first thing Diocletian did was call in the gold and close the banks and raise the taxes. He reduced the power of the Senate, delegated its power to a lot of little government bureaus. Do you know they even had a Transportation Act back there prescribing the fee required to rent one laden ass per mile? And at today's rate of exchange, it would have amounted to about one-eighth cent per mile which meant that in order to make a profit, a jackass would have to carry five passengers? That was simply beyond the capacity of the jackass. Diocletian put millions of people on the public payroll, but when this failed to do the job, the country was still in trouble. He asked more personal powers for himself. For a brief while, incidentally, they were standby powers, but then he used them all at once. He froze wages, he froze prices, he froze jobs, he stopped profits, he dictated to the farmer what he should plant, when and how he should sell it, and for how much, and he rationed food. And what happened? The labor market closed down. Incentive was gone. Farm life became dependent on bureaucratic red tape. Exorbitant taxes cost the farmer his land. He kept for himself only a small plot on which he might grow turnips for his family. He lost the rest of it to the state, and without food and with incentive gone, city life stagnated and declined. And Rome passed into what history has recorded as the Dark Ages, lasting a thousand years. Just by turning to the left, the world has gone in circles. A nation would evolve from a monarchy into an oligarchy, from oligarchy to dictatorship, from dictatorship to bureaucracy, from bureaucracy to pure democracy, where finally the people would cry out from the chaos and confusion of the streets, oh, please, God, give us a king, and God would give them a king, and they'd have a monarchy again and start the whole silly cycle anew. Now, either we will profit from the errors of their ways or it follows us the night the day our children are going to have to relive the dark ages all over again how come after thousands of years of experiment our new nation has come so far so fast what is the secret of our success well I think it had to do with a basic American's creed perhaps it never passed the pioneers lips in this form but if it had I think he would have said something like this I believe in my God in my country, and in myself. I know that sounds like a trite, too simple thing to say, and yet it's a rare man today who will dare to stand up and say, I believe in my God and my country and in myself, and in that order. When the early American pioneer first turned his eyes toward the West, there were only Indian trails or traces, as they were called, for him to follow through the wilderness. Do you know today you can roller skate from Miami to Seattle, from San Diego to Plymouth Rock, In this little bitty instant, as historical time is measured, our 7% of the Earth's population has come to possess more than half of all the world's good things. How come? Well, sir, when that early pioneer turned his eyes toward the West, he didn't demand that somebody else look after him. He didn't demand free education. He didn't demand a guaranteed rocking chair at eventide. He didn't demand that somebody else take care of him if he got ill or got old. There was an old-fashioned philosophy in those days that a man was supposed to provide for his own and for his own future. He didn't demand a maximum amount of money for a minimum amount of work. Nor did he expect pay for no work at all. Come to think of it, he didn't demand anything. That hard-handed pioneer just looked out there at the Rolling Plains stretching away to the tall green mountains... and then lifted his eyes to the blue skies and said, ''Thank you, God. Now I can take it from here.'' Now, that spirit isn't dead in our country. It's dormant. It's been discredited in some circles, driven underground, but it isn't dead. It's just that a few seasons ago, politicians, baiting their hooks with free barbecue... and trading a Ponzi promise for votes, began telling us, ''We don't want opportunity anymore. We want security.'' ''We don't want opportunity,'' they said. ''We want security.'' They said it so often, we came to believe them. We wanted security. And they gave us chains, and we were secure. Suddenly, with our constitutional guarantees depleted, with our national character eroding away, with our tax laws penalizing those who dare to prosper, with workers concentrating on how little they can get by with instead of how much they can produce, suddenly we looked overhead one day to discover that the first tin moon in space was a Russian accomplishment. That free men dragging their feet had been outdistanced by slave workers dragging their chains. And we were sore afraid. Perhaps this was a disguised blessing, too. Maybe a dramatic accomplishment by this Cold War adversary was necessary to get us off our dead centers and back to work again. If we can revive in ourselves, then in our youth. Something of that basic American's creed, the horizon has never, ever been so limitless. Twenty years from today, half of the products you will be using in your everyday living aren't even in the dictionary yet. We've got it made. If we just keep on keeping on, we've got it made. And if we don't, We will follow those other great nation states of history into the graveyard of ignominious oblivion. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve.
0: Wow.
1: There it is.
0: And he delivered those remarks more than 50 years ago, and we still haven't learned our lesson, and we're closer to the precipice now than we were back then.
1: You see, Rich, maybe the arrogance of people who start thinking they can get along without God and his word and his plan for a free people but a responsible people. Now to make my point even stronger, it was just in 1995 for an old timer like me, that's, that's like yesterday, uh, but it's a while back and President Bill Clinton was speaking to a joint session of Congress and he was worried about the border. You know, our southern border has always been something that had to be watched and looked into. Uh, I don't know any country in the world, Rich, where you can just walk across the border of that country and, and get away with it. But for some reason, when we do not pay attention to our border security, why we lose control of what America is. And listen to what uh, President Bill Clinton said in 1995 to a joint session of Congress. Here it is.
3: Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the Commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it.
1: You see, just listen to that. Listen to that applause. And the reason that applause was so great is because it was common sense.
0: Yeah, Dad, and it's probably important, uh, some of our listeners, to remind them that Bill Clinton was a Democrat president. And how the (laughs) Democrat Party has changed. People have said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party left
1: me. As a matter of fact, you and I knew a judge, a state court judge, uh, who said that very thing. He said... I didn't leave the Democrat Party, they left me, and that's a number of years ago.
0: Yeah, and this this speech was only in 1995, and look how far it's changed.
1: Well, look how far it's changed. I know a lot of people right now, they don't know what to do. Uh, There's heartaches, and there's difficulties, and there's confusion. And everywhere we look, every time you turn on a newscast, some people don't even watch the news anymore. Because then you've got to carefully pick what channel you're watching because, by and large, the media has only one direction. They want the people to think is the truth. And, uh, and that's a sorry tale. And certainly the White House, my word. Now wake up, folks, and watch. I mean, how old can a man be? I know, as old as I am, uh, I'm thinking, how, how old can a man be and then think he's going to run the whole country? So anyway, I want everybody to take heart, because there is one person, there is one person who can take your aching heart, your broken heart, your heart that is just beside itself for many, many reasons, and he will bring healing to that. Listen to this. He's
0: healer.
1: And, is, and it's and true. Is absolutely the truth. Uh, you know, we're uh, getting kind of out of time a little bit, but let's get into our listener Oh, can listener I give comment? the listener
0: comment number? 1-800-345-2621. 345 2621 The first one, Dad, is a lady from St. Louis, and her mother recommended Bot Radio Network to her 35 years ago.
1: Oh, let's hear it. Yes, my name is Sharon, and I'm calling from St. Louis, Missouri, and I have listened to your station, Mr. Bot for over 35 years. My mother recommended it before she passed this life. St. Louis City is where I listened to 91.5 and 1320. Thank you for allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to use you 61 years ago. Your 121 stations will see many in heaven, saved Uh. and with Jesus. Keep up the excellent work. God bless you and your family, Mr. (laughs) Bot. Thank you, Sharon, for your encouragement. That brings back memories uh, to me, for sure, because I well remember uh, acquiring radio facilities in St. Louis. That was a big step, wasn't it, Rich?
0: Oh, it sure was.
1: And yet here is this dear lady with this kind of a testimony. God bless you. What's the next one?
2: I just wanted to let you guys know that was saved by Jesus by listening to your radio station with
0: all the lessons and that stuff. Uh, I just want to thank Bot Radio for that. Yeah, well, thank you, sir. You know, thank and, you very and, much. And, God bless you.
1: And find a good local church. Right. A good local church where you have a congregation and of like precious faith and, uh, and leadership and all of that. Uh, and they're harder to find. Now, I have to say that. A good, solid Bible-preaching church that sticks with the Word of God is harder to find. But... They are there if you look for them. Here's a lady. When my husband passed away, I found BOT Radio, and I would listen
2: all through the day and night until I was through that difficult time in life. And I thank you, BOT Radio, for ministering to me all of the wonderful Uh,
1: ministers, Alistair Big, Chuck Swindoll, and so many more. Thank you. Yeah. All right, you know, here's a gentleman, and then a lady. Um, let's just move through these because I want our listening audience right now to hear as many as we can get in. Here we go. Here's a gentleman.
0: I just want to truly and sincerely thank about radio for what you do for us listeners. I lost my sight eight years ago, and since
2: doing so, I have really drawn close to the Lord through bot radio, and this is just from the ministers and the teaching programs. I love you guys very dearly for
0: what you're doing for our, our people. Continue to keep up the good work, and our prayers are with
1: you. All right, and we're going to pray for you, sir, also. As I get older and older and older, I my eyesight isn't so good, and I many times think what a precious thing it is to Dad? have eyesight. Yes. Oh, now, here's a lady. Hi. I moved from Arkansas to Oklahoma, and I accidentally came across thought radio
2: that I had never heard of, and I absolutely love it. It has helped me get back in touch with God and my faith. And my husband listens to it. If you're in my vehicle, you're going to listen to it. And now when I lay my head down at night, I listen to
1: it. I'm just so appreciative of this radio station. I hope it stays on forever. Uh, bless her heart, I love lady.
0: that. She says she found it by accident. Sometimes I think those accidents are actually divine appointments. So let's glad she's on, listening.
1: Let's go on to this gentleman.
0: Hi, my name is Levi. I've been listening to Bot Radio Network 91.5 in St. Louis for about eight years. I'm 22, and I just have to say thank you for everything that you do and your obedience to the Lord. Uh, I've been ministered to very greatly uh, by Bot Radio Network through all the pastors and everything uh, that you guys do, and all the teaching and the preaching of a sound Word of God. Um, it's changed me as a man. It's made me uh, who God wants me to be. Like I said, just thank you so much
3: for everything that you do, and I will continue to pray at the Bot Radio Network.
1: Oh, and then here, you see, that was a 22-year-old young man, Rich.
3: Yeah, and he's Uh,
0: been listening for a number of years.
1: uh, Okay, now here's a lady. Bot Radio really has been a lighthouse. It strengthens my faith, points me in the right direction. When I first get up in the morning, I turn Bot Radio on. It motivates me. I use the sermons as my Bible study time. I would miss bot Radio if I couldn't listen to it. And I love listening to Charles Stanley, even though he passed just recently. I'm glad that we can still listen to his messages. And I love David Jeremiah and so many others. God bless you. Amen, dear lady. I'm with you.
0: 1-800-345-2621.
1: All right, this is Dick Bot with this chapter of The Complete Story with my son, Rich, and we'll see you later.